is the Rams Review Podcast. Discussion, insights, interviews and analysis. All passion, all Derby County. The Rams Review Podcast is proud to be part of the Fan Hub 100, where fans come first. Hello everybody and welcome to the Rams Review Podcast. Um, It's just Jason at the moment, later on in the episode, we will have Corey involved, uh, who's going to be talking to our friends at West Brom. Uh, to preview that game and I will be catching up with the lads at the YYY files uh, previewing the game at Pride Park on Saturday against Stoke City but to start off with it's all about the review of Friday night and the trip to St Andrews. Unfortunately obviously Derby fell to a 2-0 defeat. Um, Just thought I'd give a few thoughts on the game really. I mean you know, it's we know it's not been a bad start, and going to Birmingham was always going to be tricky. They've had a, a pretty solid start. Fully expected Troy Deeney to start up front, but obviously didn't. Um, obviously, big Djukovic instead. Thought in in most most cases, Derby dealt with him quite well. Uh, the dark arts of football, as it's known, uh, that we know Birmingham are are, are good at. They just, unfortunately, they just overpowered Derby. I think they, it was it was a physical battle. It was a physical game. I don't think Derby stood up to it enough. Too many fives and sixes out of tens for me, um, which was disappointing. After you know what, what had been a fairly bright start, uh, of course, then you know comes the mistake from Lee Buchanan, and Derby are, are going to find picking up results difficult this season, as we well know, um, not through effort or desire, but, you know, they, they are going to struggle, um, especially if they're going to keep going, you know, if they go one nil down, that's always going to cause, it's always going to cause some trouble. So I just don't think they showed enough, a couple of neat in, you know, certainly in that first half, a nice bit of intricate play, but still that killer final ball, um, which we know has been lacking for, for some time, it's it's still lacking, um, and of course, as we well know, if you don't put the ball in the back of the net, then you know you're, you're going to struggle. And I thought as the game game went on, uh, you know, Derby just laboured. I felt they laboured through the game. I think I'm going to put it down to a bad day at the office. As I say, nobody really filled themselves with glory. Uh, you know, a physical battle, and then you've got Graham Shinney sat on a yellow card for 70 minutes. That's that's never going to help. Probably one of the reasons why he was off at half time. Uh, Ravel Morrison, they did a number on him. He, he was just getting wound up, couldn't affect the game. Um, we, and I thought Birmingham, in, in all honesty, pressed Derby well. We know for some reason it's the, you know it's the way that Derby want to play this season, and, but we we can see the reasons why Kel Roos just doesn't look comfortable. They say he's the he's the best goalkeeper at the club to play that role. Well, the other two must be awful because. I don't think that's Kell's best. Um, 
best attribute. Um, his distribution is is poor, in my opinion, and I, I just think he, he he panics. He just panics, and it puts pressure on every time we were lumping the ball forward. It, you know, Sam Baldock didn't get much change out of their centre halves. It was just re- it was just being repelled straight back, and, and we just couldn't get out. I thought we sat a bit too deep as well. Probably could have done with being another five yards up the pitch, at least. And then there was one or two times when we had got the ball and we were on a move, uh, and the ball broke down, and you know we, we lost possession. I, I just don't think we got back into shape well enough. We got caught out far too many times um, with that, and I think it's lucky really that um, I know Scott Ogan scored for Birmingham, but. He didn't really have his uh, finishing boots on because I think you know uh, we would have we would have lost by more, and and Derby just laboured the way through, um, and that second goal eight minutes from time whatever it was, <sighs> unbelievable bad luck for the deflection from Sibley, but passes it straight into straight into the path um, and two 0 game over good night Vienna. I thought with the first one, actually, Kel Roos makes a fantastic save after the back pass. Um, and then the second one, he gets a hand to it. And I actually think that guides it into the path of Hogan a little bit. I think if he doesn't get a touch on that, Jagielka's Elk has probably got that covered. But I mean, this is all about phase of play. There were there were opportunities. We, we lost the ball cheaply um, earlier on in the move before Buchanan's pass. So... A bad day at the office. It's all I'm going to put it down to. A bad day at the office. Uh, what I think will be a, a decent Birmingham. I would agree with what Wayne Rooney said. I don't think they necessarily did enough on their own merit to deserve the three points. But when you've got opposition that are going to hand you opportunities like Derby did on Friday night, then, you know, tough. They're going to take them and, and fair play to them. But they look solid at the back. I say we snuck in once or twice. But in the end, uh, not not enough. Obviously, we had that chance within first ten minutes. I think uh, Tom Lawrence, you know, pokes it straight at the goalkeeper. If that goes in the net, and we go one 0 up, the game the game's different. These things happen, as we say every week on this podcast. Derby County are going to have to take their chances when they get them this season, and they're not at the minute uh, doing that. And of course, that's that's costing that's costing us dear. So a two 0 scoreline in the end. Um, obviously, as we always do, we put out on socials. Uh, for man of the match and thoughts on thoughts of the match. Thank you for everybody on on Twitter who who gets involved with that. Um, but I think it, I would have um, the majority of people couldn't pick a uh, man of the match. And as I mentioned a minute ago, too many fives and sixes for Derby. Uh, probably fives, six, probably a little bit generous. Um, I don't think anybody really had a good night Friday night. And back to the drawing board. I think take it on the chin. And you know, move on to move on to West Brom, which, as I say, Corey is going to cover later, and that's going to be an incredible, uh, difficult challenge. But you know, get behind the boys at the Hawthorns and and see what we can do. I think just before we move on to the next seg- section of the podcast, I think just a quick mention. Saw a few people comment on it, um, and Wayne Rooney addressed it in his post-match interview about the referee on Friday night. There, there were. Some interesting challenges. There were some interesting tackles. As you say, it's the dark arts. Birmingham did it very well. Wayne Rooney came out after the game and said he wasn't going to criticise the officials. I don't know if that's because he's had a bit of a telling off before. 
Um, but one thing that we do know is we said, are Derby a physical side? And we, we know they're not really. They put up well against Middlesbrough a couple of weeks ago. Um, but Birmingham did it in another way Friday night. And I, I just don't think Derby was smart enough with it. Um, we know they're not the biggest, phys- most physical side. Um, you, you could always argue that the referee should stamp it out. There was tackles flying in. Ravel Morrison was getting kicked left, right and centre. Um, but at the end of the day, if the ref doesn't see it, what, what can you what can you do? I have to I have to admit, I, I'm not... Derby do tend to go down on the ball far too easily, in my opinion. Um, maybe maybe we just need to be a bit tougher. I thought there was a couple of decisions, though, that the ref missed, personally, for both sides. But, you know, he let the game... The game f- was what it was um, from that. And, yeah, maybe, maybe Derby just need to work on that physical side a little bit more. So that's about it in a nutshell, really. Disappointment. You know, we, we were kind of hoping we might be able to get something from the game. But hats off to Birmingham. They did a job on us. And um, we, have to, we have to move on, of course, uh, to ultimately a, a, another tough, if not tougher, fixture in the West Midlands against uh, West Brom at the Hawthorns, which, you know, when it's three games in a week and, and no squad rotation, it's or very little squad rotation, it's, it's, going to be, it's going to be a tough challenge. But, you know, they're my thoughts on Birmingham. Next up's Corey. Before the next segment, I want to quickly talk to you about the Fan Hub app. Fan Hub are looking to put fans first and change the game, giving back to the real heroes of football, us, the fans. Download the app now from Apple or Google stores and get involved predicting lineups, check in on match days and check your fan statistics. Compete against fans of our club and other football teams. Let's help get Derby County up that leaderboard. Also, it's a great way to get media content from all creators across the FanHub family, including our stuff at the Rams Review Podcast for Derby County. Download today and you can avoid the queue using our unique code. Contact us on social media for more details and check out the FanHub app and website. Our thanks to Jason. He'll be back later in the episode as we look ahead to the Stoke game with Ben from the Triple Y Files. But right now to talk about Tuesday's game is Louis Bent from the Baggies Podcast. Louis, how are we? I'm not too bad, Corey. How are you? Oh, you know, hanging in there. Um, watched Derby on Friday night. I don't know if you did. If you did, sorry. Um, <laughs> but probably, probably another trip to the uh, to the West Midlands, and, and hopefully, hopefully not the same, and hopefully better than the last time Derby played West Brom. <laughs> if memory serves me right, when Derby finished with about, I think ten players on the field because Louis Simpson yeah. was sent off, and they finished with about nine youth academy players, which. Let's just yeah. be honest, that just did not work out. That was an experiment <laughs> that we never need to see again. But it's fine because you'll see a Derby team now that has buckets of experience, including our 80, 78-year-old combined backline of Phil Jagielka, <laughs> marquee si- signing of the summer, and Curtis Davis. Um, but, Lewis, I, w- I want to talk about this because West Brom are the proverbial yo-yo club, and I don't mean that in a disrespectful way. We were talking a little bit off-air where basically every other year is just erased from your memory because of the Premier League and yeah. then coming down, and then the next season's like, oh, it's great. We've won the league again. We're going back up. Oh, crap, we're up again. We're coming back down. And it does seem from somebody who's a fan of a team that's been in the division now for 14 consecutive seasons, mm. um, and we'll not talk about the Premier League season because that definitely needs to be erased from the mind with, like, <laughs> bleach and hot tongs and stuff. Um, I'm kind of envious of West Brom in a way because as a fan, is that is that an advantage an advantageous position 
where you kind of are this yo-yo club, or is it very frustrating because you want them to go up and you want to, you want some sort of consistency. You either want them to go up and stay up for a couple seasons or, yeah. or just be a very good championship team. How do you feel as a fan being a kind of a fan of a yo-yo club? Well, when I, when I started going to, to games, we were quite a stable Premier League club, to be fair. We, we had like an eight-year spell in the top flight and all of a sudden, it, is, it just shows you how easily things can go wrong. You make one wrong move with the manager and then all of a sudden you're back down again and you're going back to yo-yo ways. It's, it's quite nice that when we come down to the championship, we look a better side because obviously we had a pretty torrid season last year, but this season we look slightly better. So it's, it, it does bring us a lot more joy being in the championship. But then again, you, every team wants to be in the Premier League. Every team wants to be winning games against the best, best sides in the league. But in the Premier League and in England. So I think it's quite difficult in terms of that to, to, to settle. Obviously, as a fan, you want to settle, you want to settle in the Premier League. But yeah, I suppose when we come back down to the Championship, it is quite nice because we do have quite a, we, we tend to have quite a strong side having just come down from the Premier League. So it's not that bad, but it, it, it can be very frustrating, as you said, at times. Because it feels like that you have a, that Albion do very much similarly have seven or eight players that were at this division a year ago. Mm. Um, and they go up to the Premier League. They change like a couple players. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. They come down, and then they're like, okay, now we just know we need to switch these two players and, and whatever. Um, and it's funny you talk about management because I think you read my notes um, because that's <laughs> where I, I want to start there because West Brom went down with Big Sam, and I don't mm. necessarily, from the outside looking in, we, we know what Big Sam brings. I know he was rumored for the Derby job at one point, so thank God he went to West Brom. Uh, <laughs> thank you for that. Um, I'm just going to go out on a limb here. Sam Allardyce wasn't wasn't a fan's favorite, was he? No, not really. I think he was. He wasn't an. Well, to be fair, it was it was more to do with Billich. When Billich was sacked, we were quite upset because it was very untimely. We just got a point against Man City away, kept it, you know, played really well against them and and got got a point at Man City. And then all of a sudden, the next day, your manager's been sacked after performing with. A side that costs no more than probably thirty million pounds, you know, against a side that costs hundreds and hundreds of millions. So it's a great, great, a great draw and a great point. But then Allardyce is in two days later, and you just think, well, what's going on here? I think it was less about Allardyce, but as it went on, I think it just became clear that he'd lost uh, faith in the side. He knew that we weren't going to stay up, and it just became a little bit boring and a bit, you know, we were admitting defeat really. So he wasn't a fan's favourite by any 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 means, but I think a lot of fans, to be honest, Corey would have would have kept him on this season if 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 they had their way. But obviously, I was I, I thought we should look for something fresh, and I think we we found that with his mail, but. Uh, as I said, Big Big Sam was not a fan's favourite, but more the fact that he took us down than, than anything. But yeah, it, it became a bit turgid at the end. So we're glad he's gone and we're glad that we're, we're hopefully moving in the right direction. And I said, I promised myself that I wouldn't say this, but I feel spellbound to, to do it. I think the biggest thing from Sam Allardyce's reign is that he signed a midfielder named OK. And he yeah. performed OK for West Brom. I mean, that was just, I was like, yeah. Every time they yeah. came on and I watched him, I was like, that guy, he's okay. And my parents were just like, please just shut up. And I was like, yeah. well, it's, it's right there. It's hanging out for me. What can I do? Yeah, I think he was actually a little bit better than okay, to be fair. I think he was probably the one of the better performing players we had, especially under Allardyce. And I'd have liked to have him back, but obviously we're not a Premier League team, any, team anymore. We haven't got that sort of budget, that sort of wages to pay that sort of money. But yeah, he was, he was a bit better than okay. But that joke, I think, has... has 
has had it has had its moment. I think plenty of times on West Brom Twitter, to be honest. And that will be the last time that I make I make that joke before <laughs> I turn before I turn the the few listeners that we have off. Um, so talk to me through Valon Ishmael. Obviously, you were at West Brom. Um, you were in Premier League last season, so I'm not sure how much of an eye you kept on on the championship. But our friends at the Reds Report, who who studied Barnsley and everything like that. Valor and Ishmael came in after uh, Struber left to New York Red Bulls and Ishmael just came in. He just basically transformed Barnsley. And, and to be fair to him, they played really good football um, and they almost nearly did it. Uh, they got you know, the playoff hunt very late on um, mm, and everything like yeah. that. And, and it's not surprising to see him get a job um, at no, this is no disrespects to Barnsley, but with West Brom just coming down, right. A slightly bigger club in a, in a, in a much better position with a more competitive squad to potentially go up. It's not a surprise that, West Brom got him from Barnsley. Um, and you said there, and that was the thing that surprised me, you wouldn't have been necessarily upset if Allardyce had stayed on. So how are you rating the job Violin Ishmael has done so far at Albion? And, and how is he changing this team? He's completely transformed it, to be honest, Corey. He's completely overhauled what we've, what we've known from these players. These are, as you said, very similar players to the ones that were in the championship a year ago, but they almost have just completely transformed themselves. We turned into a physical side. Obviously, under Billich, we were quite we were, we would have get got bullied by most teams in the division physically. But I don't think there's much chance of many many teams bullying us under Valerian Ishmael. He's instilled an aggressive high press in the team, a very high defensive line as well. Lots of squeezing of the opposition, uh, liking to prey on those teams that are a bit dodgy playing out and a bit you know going down the side of the pitch wanting to close that down those angles it's just really good to see that he's managed to do such a fantastic job in such a short space of time you know bear in mind he's only had before the season started about a month to about a month and a half to to, to get together with this team and and to completely transform the, the playing style and, and the players uh, traits as well so yeah he's done an outstanding job obviously last season I did see a little bit of Barnsley I remember watching them in the FA Cup against Chelsea and although they lost, they looked really good. I was just so surprised at the way that they were so aggressive in their pressing. And I thought this season, if we're going to see something of that, I was really looking forward to it. And we have seen a lot of that, very physical. And yeah, obviously we found a bit of a matching Millwall in the last game with a, with physicality. But I think most teams we want to be physical against. And um, yeah, I'm really impressed with how his, his reign's going so far, really. He's very much building a team in his image because he's a very, he's a very well-built... He's a big... Yeah, big he's a big man, guy. And I don't think I'd want to meet him in a dark alley or even in a no. light alley because I'm a very slight build. I mean, I'd say slight, but I've had a few pies since lockdown, so maybe a bit, <laughs> maybe a bit soft around the edges. But yeah, I wouldn't want to meet him anywhere really because he seems like he might be a nice guy, but also it seems like if you cross him, um, he's gonna yeah. have no time for you. And that was very highlighted this this close season with the Mateus Pereira saga, who has now yeah. gone to Saudi Arabia. Um, obviously, Pereira was extremely good in the championship last season. He was pretty good last year in the Premier League. Comes mm. down, and I'm thinking, Christ, if West Brom keep Pereira, yeah. uh, they're going to have a heck of a player on their hands. And I was anticipating a Premier League move for him because obviously he proved he proved he could play at that level. Um, but there was some sort of fallout between Ishmael and Pereira, and I don't think Ishmael wanted that around. Yeah. Can you enlighten me on that and how West Brom's coping without that star man? I say we, I say we miss him. Obviously, we didn't like the way he left. It was kind of a bit of a freezing out from his mail. He was kicking up at first. He wanted to leave, but didn't. But like wanted to leave respectfully, but he didn't really do that in the end. To be honest, he put a statement on Instagram 
that was essentially I want to leave and you know I hate being called not hard working by his mail and not committed and stuff like that so it was the way he was left that we were just like we want him gone but then you look at the quality that we have in the side now and you think we don't have a player like him I don't think he'd have suited his mail system to be honest the high press I don't think that's something for him but I think in terms of playing it in, in in the Premier League he was he was so good I mean I thought if, as you said if he came down to the championship we'd, we, we'd do really well with him in the side but I can't see where he'd have fit in and obviously he wanted to leave so good luck to him it's just a shame he's got I'm just really upset that he's gone to Saudi Arabia it seems a bit of a waste to be honest I thought he's going to go straight back to the Premier League he's going to find a team like uh, along the lines of West Ham Leicester or somebody like that he's going to walk into that team and, and prove his worth in the Premier League in a, in a much better side than we were but yeah, I'm, I'm I'm disappointed in the way he left, and I'm disappointed with where he's gone to. But uh, overall, yeah, he was a fantastic player, and his quality cannot be replaced, especially at the price of eight million pounds that we ended up paying for him, which is a, a bargain in today's world. Yeah, you're talking about the club that sell sold Will Hughes to Watford for four and a <laughs> half million pounds because Gary Rowett said he does not fit my style of play. Yeah, and somehow that Sounds did familiar. not raise any red flags about Gary Rowett's style of play. They were just like, "Well, <laughs> see you, Will. We'll pay your bus fare as well." Um, and then obviously, Darby luckily recouped a little bit of money when he was sold to Crystal Palace. So, thank yeah. God for that. I guess. <laughs> what we look in we, as we look to Tuesday's game, West Bromer top of the league, um, four wins, two draws, and they've had some pretty big wins as well. You know, they beat uh, Birmingham four nil, um, Sheffield United four nil, and then you know the nice wins against uh, Peterborough as well. But in the last game, like you said, they got pegged back against um, Millwall. And, and, and this, is a, this is a loaded question because, because West Brom are top of the league. Um, how would you sum up the start to West Brom's return to the championship? I think in terms of the start, it's been really good. It's, it's, been ha- it's had a bit of a dampener put on it by the game against Millwall. I was, I was, I've just been on the podcast talking about it. I was really disappointed with the performance. I thought that, we played really into Millwall's hands. We all know what Millwall are like. They want to shove you about. They want to get in your face. They want to be aggressive, physical. And obviously, as I mentioned, we want to be aggressive and physical, but we're not quite at Millwall's standard of doing that yet. So, yeah, I was a little disappointed with this with the performance against Millwall. But I think in terms of the season so far, you can't be any happier. The winning against Sheffield United was just, I know they were in a bit of poor form, obviously picking up over the weekend, um, hopefully from their perspective. But I think... That, that victory was so good. I mean, I, I've never seen us tear apart a team with such quality, with, with, with of, a, of their quality in the championship before. And yeah, I think the start to the season has been really good. The results have been good. Obviously, top of the league, I can't complain. But the performance against Millwall and they, in fact, Peterborough, because Peterborough, we weren't very good, but we grabbed a last minute winner. So we got away with it. We got out of jail. So yeah, I'm a bit disappointed with the past two games, but I'm hoping that things can pick up again. But I think it's going to be a little bit difficult in terms of um, in terms of getting back on the bike with the wind and, and getting back in into the the domination because it's very hard to shift momentum in the championship as, as I'm sure you as I'm sure all the championship fans know it's really hard to just change from drawing or or, or losing to, to winning it's, it's really hard but I'm pleased with the performances so far this season but the last two games have been a little bit iffy for me and it does spark a bit of concern that we don't perhaps have that plan B to being physical. And you see Darby played Peterborough on the second match of the season and played quite well for about 80 minutes. But then they realized it was yeah. a one-minute game and Peterborough popped up with two and, and won that match. Um, expectations expectations from, from yourself and, and from the fan base at Albion, is it, is it that either you or Fulham are going to win this league and you're going to be playing Premier League football again next season? I, or is it we can 
have a nice solid campaign with playoffs? I mean, what, what's the expectation? I, it kind of sounds like a dumb question for a team that continues to go between the two divisions, but, but what is it amongst the Albion fans? I think the expectation for me personally was I want to get in the playoffs or above, but I think now as the season's going on and you're looking at the quality of the championship, obviously it's a long, hard slog. There's so many games, so many fixtures, lots can go wrong. I'm hoping that we can shift into an automatic spot. Obviously, Fulham lost the other day. We're yet, we're yet to lose. Maybe we've got one up on them now. But I suppose that Fulham are a really good side. They've got absolutely stacked, uh, full of championship quality. So I think that Fulham will win the league. But I do think that Albion, I think we can try and push for maybe fourth or above. And if we can slip into the automatic promotion spaces, I just think with the high press, I think we're going to run out of steam at some point. And it's just going to be whether we have that plan B to take us over the line in terms of promotion. But uh, as I said, anything can go wrong. It's a long season, but I'm I'm hoping for promotion, and I think most Albion fans are as well. Because when you look at when you look at high pressing, even if you take a team like like Liverpool, um, and I know mm. obviously it's chalk and cheese championship and Premier League, right? But yeah, it took them a while, even with the caliber of players that they have, to institute a pressing style. So, like you say, even with Bielsa and Leeds, the first season that they tried to do it in the championship, they were very good for about 30 games, and then they yeah. kind of lost steam for about the ten, last 10 or 12 games. Um, so, you yeah. know, there's always, the, there's always um, the issue of that happening. So hopefully um, not, not on Tuesday, obviously, but afterward, and then obviously not again when they visit Pride Park, but if we yeah. get some sort of plan B, because I think that's needed for all the teams in the championship. I think Darby's plan B is plan A is to get no injuries and no suspensions, which obviously that's, that's never going to happen. Um, if you set your FIFA bumpers high enough. Um, but, yeah. Uh, yeah. In, in the real world um, we'll, we'll wait and see. We'll wait and see on that. One player I want to talk about, actually, I want to talk about a couple of players is I noticed this week that West Brom brought in a former Sheffield United player, Keen Bryan, uh, in on a free, mm-hmm. a player who, you know, was okay in the Premier League for, for Sheffield, still age 24. You expect, okay, going down to the championship, he's going to do something. I was actually really surprised to see that he was a, a free agent for as long as what he was. He's mm-hmm. coming to West Brom. Um but there's another center half I want to talk about, and that's, that's Matt Clark, because he was on loan twice at Derby the last two seasons. Yeah. Finished player of the season as well. Um, Matt Clark, is he, is he, how is he doing? Is he in the frame to, to start against Derby? Well, what's going on with Matt? How's he been doing for the first few games of his Albion career? Yeah, well, he, he's currently injured at the moment, which is a shame. But we saw him for the, we saw him for the Luton game. I think we also saw him against the... Uh, who else do we see him again? We've seen about three games of him so far, and he's been really, really good. I've spoken to Derby fans before about, about Matt Clark, and they've just they've all praised him madly about how good he is. And we've seen that so far. It's just a real shame that he's injured at the moment. I think he should only be about a week or two away from fitness. So I think this game against Derby is going to come a little bit too soon, but maybe the next one he should be playing. But he's been really good. It's a very physical centre-half, and he's exactly what I think Ismail would want. And he just looks really good. I'm, I'm really pleased with that signing, and I'd, I'd love to make it permanent if we were to go up. And but yeah, obviously Derby, he did, he did a very good job with you guys last year, and you know helped keep you in the division last season. So yeah, I was surprised to see him get another move in the Championship. To be honest, I thought he was ready to play for Brighton in the Premier League. To be honest, but I'm not complaining. We've got a quality centre half on our hands, and it's a shame he's injured because he would really be probably the the immovable object in that back line in terms of starting places. And in goal, I would think on Tuesday night, is it going to be is it going to be England's, I guess, number two goalkeeper now, Sam Johnston? And yeah. How the hell did West Brom able to keep him? Because he's he's real quality. Yeah, I was I was 
wetting myself for Arsenal signing Ramsdale for Aaron Ramsdale for 25 million when they could have got Johnston for, <laughs> for about oh, 10. Or... Never change. Yeah, I just thought you there's England's number two goalkeeper for 10 or England's number probably four goalkeeper for, for 25 and they went with England's number four but you know fair play to them that's what they wanted but I'm not complaining because we got England's number two in goal for us but yeah he's a fantastic goalkeeper and has proved it with uh, adding something into his game he's added the sweeping uh, behind the back line into his game which isn't something I'd known for beforehand obviously Ismail's coached with him on that and got him playing a bit more progressively out from the back as well so yeah, Johnston, I'm amazed he didn't go in the summer window. I can see him probably going uh, in January, but I, I'm not complaining for the time being. He's, he's a fantastic goalkeeper and we're very, very lucky. And we hopefully will sign a new crumb trap, but I, I doubt that very much. And I, I want to talk about one more player before we talk tactics and then the game on Tuesday. And that's Bar former Barnsley captain Alex Mowat, um, mm. who's come into West Brom, obviously under Ishmael and everything like that. Um, and he always struck me as a very creative player, very, very good at this level. And he was just, he was playing in a team at Barnsley. And again, no disrespects to Barnsley, but he was playing at a team that doesn't necessarily get the attention of fans in yeah. the league, right? There's some teams that you look towards more than others. Um, how good's Alex Mowat been for, for West Brom? Is he proving a good bit of business? Yeah, he, on a free, I mean, most of uh, I don't think we spent a single penny on transfer fees this this window, but he is an outstanding transfer on a free. I, I, obviously, Barnsley tried to make him the most most paid player of all time, and he rejected it to come and play under his nail again. And I just think he's a great player. He gets the ball down and he knocks it about nicely. He's very physical, and he likes he really loves to get stuck in for a lad who's who's not not that big to be honest. He's not very tall at all, but he, he does like to work hard. He likes to go from box to box and scored a lovely screamer against Blackburn Rovers. So, yeah, I think he's he's definitely a player that that I'm so pleased with the, such, the signing of, especially on a free. It's ridiculous how you can get a player of that quality on a free. But, yeah, obviously, Barnsley, I, I know you could just tell from the way that they were talking about him leaving, you know, saying that they didn't want him to go and how he's one of the best players they've seen over the past five or so years for Barnsley, that he was going to be a good player for us. But, yeah, I didn't quite realise he had such a screamer in his locker, to be honest, in, his, in that left boot of his. But, yeah, he's been incredible so far. And, Really pleased with the transfer, uh, especially on a free. And there you go. Darby have also spent no money on transfer fees as well, Lewis. So <laughs> Snap. Yeah, there you go. Look at that. Financially financially responsible, even if Darby didn't make it their own because of, obviously, the, the transfer mm. embargo. But they were able to bring in some key men, including talismanic leader Phil Jagielka um, and mm. several other players, including number nine, Sam Baldock who will run his socks off, but I, I don't know if he knows what's in between the two, two white sticks. As of yet. <laughs> he has scored one. I give him, I don't, I don't give him enough credit. He's made like two appearances and scored one goal. So that's one more than I have for Derby County. So I, I can't really complain. <laughs> um, I don't want to, I want to talk about, I want to talk a little bit about tactics and switch our attention to Tuesday because Derby were just in the West Midlands. They were at St. Andrews on, on Friday night, a game in which I'm sure you saw on sky. Yeah. Sorry. Um, and, and West Brom, uh, sorry, not West Brom, but Birmingham played in a, a very physical manner. And they seemed to bully players, especially Ravel Morrison. There was some, uh, let's just say there was a lot of physical contact. Okay. I didn't realize I was watching like an ice hockey game. I thought I was, <laughs> you know, sometimes you're like, oh, look at that. A football match broke out. Okay. People were running into each other. There were a lot of things and, and whatever. And, and you tell me that now West Brom are going to play, want to play this kind of physical style. Please, it's not going to be more of the same, is it, as, as what Darby just came against it at Birmingham? Is it going to be worse? Is it going to be more? Is it going to be very similar to that? And, and 
and how will they how will they approach this? Yeah, unfortunately, Corey, I think it's going to be a bit of the same. To be honest, I think the way Millwall did it to us just the just the other day, I think it's going to be quite similar. We're going to try and get get in the face. Obviously, saw a few hiccups with uh, playing out from the back from you guys, and I think that's what Ismail is going to look at. He'll look at the, the fact that you you struggled a little bit doing that, and he'll think, well, if I can get the high press up there and get our players surrounding them, then we might have some goals to to exploit. But yeah, I think physicality is one thing that we'll probably bring to the, to the game. Obviously, I know that you guys have got some real quality. You mentioned, I think Jagielka is is is, is fantastic. I mean, I, I'm surprised that he would still pl- be playing football at this sort of age, but he looks looks really good at the back for you guys. And obviously, you guys have done a lot of business and some decent business, especially you know with the restrictions in play. But I think physicality is the one thing that Ismail will want to bring to you, to, to the game. And and I think yeah, hopefully not probably not as bad as Birmingham in terms of fouls. I don't think we're quite that bad with fouling, but I think in terms of a physical and really forcing the the, the attacking players, I think is that that's what you can expect from Albion on, on Tuesday night. Because it seemed to me that Birmingham really kind of really harrowed in on uh, Ravel Morrison there to to try to make it very difficult mm. to play between the lines and and to um, to really link play, and they made it very difficult for him. And it did get to the point where he's a little frustrated. We saw that Tom Warren's got a bit bit of a shove, and he had a little bit of a naughty kick out there, which yeah. on another night in another tempered game could have produced a card of whatever color. Obviously, yeah. he was just a talking to. Um, and it did look like Darby were very frustrated with with the physicality thing. And so I'm I'm hopeful here because you said that that hopefully Ishmael has seen these things with Darby playing out from the back. Hopefully somebody goes into the West Brom training facility and then just make sure that tape disappears and he's got no tape on him. Um, because that is that is another a note that I had scribbled down here was you said earlier on, you know, West Brom like to play on weaknesses, they like to play a pressing game, you know. Mm. Let's just say Kel Roos, to put it mildly scares the living bejeebies out of me when he has when he has the ball to put it mildly at his feet um first yeah. of all i'll just go on this thing you can never trust a goalkeeper with a man bun i don't know why it's just one of these <laughs> like your goalkeeper's got a man bun it's like no can't trust that guy yeah. um and 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 kel roos is an interesting interesting uh, player because he'll pull off like an absolute worldy save against nottingham forest grab it and flick it behind his thing pull a magnificent worldy save and then he'll just do like a very silly thing and you're like come on yeah guy world-class, like here at a zero in like five minutes. But yeah, Darby do seem to play out from the back a little bit. And, and I was watching obviously some Premier League this weekend as well. And, and they play out from the back, but they do it with such an intensity and such a quickness to, to get it. The idea is not to play it around the back in the back third for 15 minutes. It's to get it to the middle third of the field. And, yeah. the and Darby just try to play this around the back thing where it goes to a midfielder and they have no options. So they just like, I'll just pass it back because that worked out so well five minutes ago. And we'll do this thing and it allows teams yeah. to come on them. Um, and that really scares me, actually, if West Brom are, are going to be playing that way with a press, even if it's for an hour or something like that, um, and try and try to play through that. Mm. In this West Brom side, though, where where are the weaknesses that Derby could potentially exploit? I think in terms of weaknesses, I think if you can try and over, if you pat the midfield and put maybe three men in midfield to our two, I think. It's quite difficult. I think Moat could run all day, but I think Livermore certainly does tire out in game as a midfield pairing. So I think you get three men in the midfield, as I assume you probably will. You have your two holding midfielders and then probably Ravel Morrison in there, probably behind the striker. So I think if you do that, we become a bit overrun. Obviously, if Morrison's 
uh, hogging that defensive between the defensive and midfield lines, I think that can cause us a lot of problems. If you play your wingers quite high up the pitch and just in behind our, our wing backs and just on the edge of our centre back, I think you can exploit the lack of pace in our back line. So I think definitely there's two areas that you can start with. Uh, I think that's about it, to be honest. I think if you get down the side of our defence or you get uh, overloads in the midfield, I think that's where you can really, really strike lucky with our team. I think that's what's happened, uh, certainly probably against... Um, I think against Luton in the latter stages where they ended up scoring two goals quite late on. I think that's one of the one of the places that you can you can try and exploit. So yeah, if you if you to do that, you definitely you definitely in with a with a pot of gold really with 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 our with our defense, I think. So it does seem like there is some some avenues. So hopefully, hopefully Wayne Rooney is one of our listeners and he can and he can hear this and yeah. create the oh, massive giving... tactical plan rather than go to a soccer coaching for dummies manual that it seems sometimes that he that he ties to go to. Um, not, not so much this year. I'm being, I'm being, I'm being mean. People won't, people won't like that when I, when I, when I say that stuff. Um, and before I, I, I want to get a score prediction from you, Lewis. Will you be at, first of all, will you be at the Hawthorns on, uh, on Tuesday? Uh, I hope so. I may have some other arrangements that I'm going to have to switch aside, but yeah, I hope to be at the Hawthorns on Tuesday. In terms of a score prediction, I think, I think it's going to be tight, to be honest. I think if you look at what Millwall did to us and if Derby, if Wayne Rooney was watching that game, he could probably implement much as the, the struggles of playing out there from the back with Derby. Both managers can take a lot from the previous game uh, that, that we both played in terms of exploiting some weaknesses. So, yeah, I think it's going to be tight. I'm going to go, because I, I've got a back, back West Brom, unfortunately. I'm going to go 2-1, but I think it'll be very tight and I think it'll be a late goal to, 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 to win it for Albion, unfortunately. You don't have to back West Brom. You can you can pick the proper the proper team from the East Midlands here. I mean, it's it, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah, I think when I look at this game, I think if 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 Darby play, if if Wayne's watched the game against Millwall, which I'm sure he's seen some sort of tape or something on mm. on the iPad. Um, yeah. I mean, Shay Givens now left, so there is very few people left to hold the iPad on the bench. Um, but you know, if they could get a bit physical, I could, I could see him. I could see him hurting uh, West Brom and everything like that. But I do. I think that this team from, from Derby, it might not be the liquid, sexy football that, you know, you're used to seeing of Derby in previous iterations, right? Mm -hmm. But you'll see fight, you'll see grit. I, I mean, I don't necessarily think that uh, they played particularly poorly at West, uh, sorry, West Brom, at Birmingham. I don't think they played particularly poorly. I don't think they played particularly great. I think they did fight. They did try to play. And I just think that they, it just was not their night. I just think that there were some, uh, they just couldn't put it in the back of the old onion bag, as they say. Um, and Birmingham were very, a little bit too physical and, and Darby weren't physical enough with them. So hopefully they've learned from that. Hopefully they can get a little bit more. They can go to the Hawthorns. They can put a good fighting performance in um, because that's what we've come to expect from this team, that they are going to, they're going to be in every game, right? I don't think that there's going to be, every team gets taken to the sword once or twice a season. That just happens at this league. But I do think that Darby are going to stay and compete and fight and be in every game for as long as possible. And I think that this will happen again. I do think, unfortunately, though, that at the Hawthorns, it will be a little bit of a bridge too far. Um, and I could see West Brom running out 1-0 winners um, in this match. I just think that defensively, sometimes Darby are prone to, to giving away one or two passes uh, that, that the other team latch on to or one or two defensive lapses. And, and most of the times, the other teams bury those opportunities. Um, and I can't really necessarily see too much from a Derby perspective in terms of goal scoring, they don't necessarily score a lot of goals in this, this kind of vintage Derby, in this kind of um, Derby County era that we're in right now. So I'm going to say one nil to the baggies 
um, on, on Tuesday night. And, and Lewis, before I let you go, I have to ask you, I have to ask you this question because it's just, it's just awesome. And I just have to ask, um, the official mascot of West Bromwich Albion is, is Baggy Bird. Um, yeah. but they do have another mascot who is just absolutely amazing. That is Boiler Man. And I know yeah. he comes out and he like pumps the crowd up and everyone loves him. And he's like the unofficial mascot. First of all, how much do you love Boiler Man? And second of all, who would win in a fight, Baggy Bird or Boiler Man? Uh, well, I think I think Boiler Man's a decent a, de- a decent shout. To be fair, he goes in front of the away fans and he really winds up the away fans every game. You know, they're chanting, you know, what the hell is that? What the hell is that? And stuff at him. So, yeah, he does rile up the away fans and he does like to be the centre of attention. In terms of a fight, I think I think Baggy Bird would have it. He's got some massive. I mean, I've got a Baggy Bird up here, and I don't know if you can see the size of his hands. They're massive. I think one clout of them round Boiler Man. I think he's denting he's denting the boiler to be honest and. He's going to have to be put back in the cupboard. But yeah, I do like Boiler Man. I don't think opposition fans like him, but I, I think he's a nice little touch. But I think Baggy Bird would, prob- would probably spark him out in a fight, to be honest. Could, could, could Baggy Bird play in goal for Derby on, on Tuesday with, them, with the big old, uh, big yeah, old wings big, that he has? He's got some big mittens on him. So I think he'd do better. He'd do better. But then again, he does wear a short sleeve T-shirt. And like you said, your motto is about uh, not just in a goalkeeper with a, with a man, but mine's not just in a goalkeeper with short sleeves. But oh yeah. man, Kellarus wears short sleeves. Jesus, ah, there you go. No for two today. It's a terrible <laughs> combo that is. Yeah, so I think I think Baggy Bird would do a decent job in goal for you. To be honest, he, he'll, he'll fill it for certain. I, I do think I, I when I first saw Boiler Man, I was like, this is kind of stupid. But then it's like he's like really grown on me, and it's kind of yeah. like one of these like I feel like he's kind of a cult hero at the Hawthorns. Um, where he just kind of runs out and I really wish more teams like did like a random sponsor kind of mascot thing obviously I don't think Darby can do it with 32 red because that would just be like people betting on 32 red that would be kind of a lame mascot Um, but yeah I mean if you have like a really random kind of you know like forest and it's boxed like they should just have a big giant box run out and (laughs) I found out today that boxed are actually like a boiler manufacturer so maybe they'll have a boiler guy they could have a red boiler we could have a white boiler and we could we could really see wins out pair of them I think I'm just going to be really sad when we get rid of ideal boilers I think that's going to be a really sad day when boiler man has to go and go back in the cupboard to be honest it'd be quite sad I, I would still keep him I don't know I'd like I'd let ideal boilers go I'd slap another logo on him and I just run yeah. him out there because now he's just like, he just feels like he's a little bit of an institution um, at the yeah. Hawthorns. Yeah, I think we'll just slap an Albion logo on him and then just send him back out, I think. <laughs> well, Lewis, um, thank you. Thank you for spending a Sunday evening with me. I know you've recorded your podcast um, beforehand, the, the Baggies Pod. And uh, I appreciate you, you coming to give me the lowdown here. You, you've scared me a little bit, but you haven't scared the Wajibis out of me as much as Kel Roos at the ball with his feet. No, no, no. Um, who also has a man bun and, and wears a short sleeve. What about a short sleeve jersey with like long sleeves underneath? Is that okay? That, that's better. It's that's when better, it, but it's not yeah. full on like old school long sleeved goalkeeper. Yeah, yeah, it's not quite. Yeah, I think the short sleeves with when you're showing your arms like I've got on now, I think once that, once that, um, once you wear that in goal and you've got the big gloves, I think it just looks wrong. And I think that's when you start to lose a bit of faith in your goalkeeper. Yeah. Yeah. I, I could see that, but Lewis, I want to thank you for, for taking the time to give me the, to give me the lowdown here on, on the baggies. And I hope, um, I hope we can catch up later this season um, for the return fixture at Pride Park, where hopefully West Brom, I guess, are in, in first place, well ahead of Fulham cruising on easy street and rest a lot of players for when they come to Pride Park. <laughs> Um, because with the points deduction looming, I think Darby will need everyone that they can get. But uh, Lewis, I, w- I want to thank you so much for, for spending Sunday evening with me. I really appreciate it. 
honestly a pleasure Corey thank you very much for having me on and hopefully we'll see a good game on Tuesday hopefully one can always fingers crossed cross your fingers cross your toes cross cross everything um but Derby fans that's all for me uh Jason will be wrong with Ben from the triple Y files to preview the Stoke game right after this segment this has been Corey and I've been chatting with Lewis Bent from the Baggies podcast um and I'll turn it over to Jason Before we move on to our next segment, we are proud to announce that we are going to be partnering with two amazing organizations this year. First is going to be Flat Back Four, and the second is Six Yards Out. Flat Back Four provide a wide range of club um, memorabilia with the kind of foosball four guys um, on it as well. Amazing clothing range. They've got some awesome Derby stuff, so go and check them out. And we'll be doing some competition giveaways um, and various different bits and bobs throughout the season, so stay tuned for that. And our second partnership is going to be with the Six Yard Out folks. They do some amazing different kind of bespoke gifts, all kind of things, Derby County. They've got England mugs, Derby County mugs, and various different kits, and you can get them customized and have old players on them. Um, some really amazing things. You can use Rams Review as a, as a coupon code there as well and get 10% off. Really proud to be partnering with two amazing retail retail partners. So be on the lookout for those um, and check them out if you haven't already. Um, again, that's, that's Flatback 4 and 6 Yards Out. Thanks, guys. Enjoy the next segment. So the other game to look forward to and preview is the first game back at Pride Park since the international break and it's a small matter of the A50 derby I don't know if people still call it that but you know well that's it yeah (laughs) I I always have and of course that voice there you can hear is Ben Rowley from the YYY files Ben thanks for joining me on this very very early Sunday morning (laughs) <laughs> yeah, good morning. Uh, I, I'm not sure if you've got a hangover or not. I've, I've certainly avoided one. I think I mean, uh, only had the one drink yesterday, but since I had my hangover last night rather than this morning. Yeah, no, I was all right because obviously we played Friday night. So that was more of a yes, yesterday. Yesterday was a bit of a free pass. So um, I mean, there, there was some involved, but I've woken up as, as fresh as I think I can feel on the Sunday for a change, which is which is always nice. Um, and obviously, what, but what better way to spend talking about Derby and Stoke, eh? Um, <laughs> so th- thanks for joining us, mate. Uh, as we're going to jump straight in and we'll, we'll may as well start with yesterday and just your thoughts on yesterday and ob- obviously the start that you've had to the season because I've had a look, you know, over the last couple of years since relegation, it's been probably a, a couple of years of adjustment for Stoke. And this season, I mean, you know, you'd, I think you'd probably have snapped your hand off at it, wouldn't you, at the beginning? Oh, we'd snap our hand off after 46 games in this position, really. Um, it, it just, it's something that I could never see coming, and it's something I definitely saw coming at the same time, if that makes sense. Based off our track record, as you said, over the last couple of seasons, it's nothing I saw coming because, you're right, we, we have started slow probably for the last 14 years or so. Um, but I think this is the first time in about 16 years that we've won our first three home games of the season. That's that that for me is an achievement alone, <laughs> considering where we've been over the last couple of championship seasons. Um, but then also I'm not surprised because you look around some of the forums and some of the more knowledgeable championship experts would say that we've had some of the best transfer windows out of the championship and the EFL, and we have. We've had such a good transfer window. We've got, um, I sort of tied it up. I think we've let go £16 million a year off the wage bill this summer. Um, we've also brought in players who 
perhaps are just as good as the players who've left, but are on much lower wages. They're much younger. They're much hungrier. They care a lot more. And it's bared fruit on the pitch. These players are pressing harder than O'Neill has ever demanded before. These players are just happier on the pitch. And you can tell because they're more confident. They're, they are passing the ball around. They're, they're getting so many crosses in and so many shots in. And it's bearing fruit because we are winning games. The only game we've lost was against a team who many are predicting to be top of the league come the end of the season. And to beat Huddersfield yesterday, who are also a team that were in the same position as us. I think they were one position above us before the game yesterday. And, and I said, if the Fulham game was a marker as to where we are this season, and if we had beat them, we'd have really said, okay, we can challenge for something. And I said, if we can't beat Huddersfield, then I think we've got to relax our expectations. But because we have, and Huddersfield weren't particularly convincing despite the position that they were and are now in, I'm not saying that we should be expecting anything, but we can dare to dream for once. I mean, with the Huddersfield, we kicked off our season to them at, at Pride Park and we got a 1-1 draw, but I'd have to agree. I mean, after four or five games and they'd, you know, they were right up there, I thought to myself, well, obviously they're doing something right, but we, we certainly didn't see it on that opening day, but I, I do appreciate, mm. you know, opening day football can be can be all sorts. <laughs> so, you, you know, you just never know. But, um, yeah, and I mean, <clears throat> looking at the as you say, the start that you've had. And actually, you look at the next probably four fixtures. Obviously, I appreciate you've got a cup game in between before. You'd, you'd argue the first, you know, not the first, but a, a major test at West Brom. You know, those fixtures on paper, you, you would look at surely and go, it's a good start. It could be even better in four games time rolling into that international next international break. It absolutely is. Um, the only thing I'd say to that is that as we've seen this weekend, it is the championship. <laughs> Blackpool have beaten Fulham in a game that, you know, I, I can't imagine what odds you'd have got on that game, but they must have been pretty good. Um, and we beat teams, perhaps it was viewed as a not a difficult run-in, but, you know, a testing run-in in our opening six games. Um, and all of those teams have turned out to be not very good, really. Likes of Reading likes of Nottingham Forest were touted to have decent seasons. And yet, here we are, having beaten most of them, apart from Birmingham, who have actually started very well, and Fulham, who needs no more explanation. Um, and then you look at the teams coming up. You know, Barnsley are doing okay. Yourselves have started the season much better than you probably thought you would ever do. Um, I bet you wouldn't thought you'd have this many points by Christmas, let alone. Um, <laughs> Quite true. So this... Yes, on paper, absolutely, it's a good run-in. But a lot of those teams have actually started better than you think. And we come under that category ourselves. You know, a lot of people would have had us mid-table, and rightly so. So anything can happen, really. I'm not counting our chickens. Um, the likes of O'Neill and Vrancic were talking after the game and saying, take it game by game. And that's what we've got to do. You know, every team in the championship is here for a reason, I guess. Well, yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the other things that jumped out at me looking of do, doing my uh, research, don't normally have to do that, that's normally Corey's <laughs> job. Um, but yeah, doing the research. One of the other things that struck me is I appreciate you've not been in blistering goal scoring form, but you have scored in most games. And it does look like that the goals are being 
spread out uh, amongst the team, Ben. It doesn't look like, you know, there's one person that's got five or six there. I know, obviously, there's a couple that are on two or three, but it's been shared out quite a bit by the looks of it so far. It has, and I think it's because at the moment we don't have an out-and-out goal scorer, if that makes sense. We've got Jacob Brown, who works very hard up front. If you can cast your minds back, he's perhaps like a John Walters was for us back in the day. Um, very hard-working, great at pressing, is is getting increasingly better at holding the ball up too. Um, you know, his finishing sometimes is left to be desired, but it was a great header yesterday to, to get the equaliser. And we've got people like Stephen Fletcher, who is increasingly becoming more like a number 10, who's sort of dropping off and being the supply man. Um, we've got people like Sam Sturridge, who I think he got two goals in his first two games, but then doesn't necessarily look like scoring since. That's not saying that his form won't pick up again. It's only six games in. But we've we've got people like the wingbacks involved. The midfield is much more... We were playing essentially three number sixes last season in midfield, and now we're playing people like Vrancic, playing people like Powell, who are not just midfield destroyers or, or, or sideways passes. People like Vrancic made their own goal yesterday and also set up the corner for the goal. Um, speaking of Rancic and his set pieces, we've got people like Harry Suter at the back, Leo Ostergaard, who are so dangerous in the penalty area that they are bound to score goals, and they have done. Um, so no wonder we're getting goals from all across the pitch. But I wonder whether there's another level to us. Tyrese Campbell, who got injured pretty much this time last year, is playing his first under-23s game in, I want to say, 10 months tomorrow as we record this. I don't think he'll be back in time for the Derby game, but he's going to be close. And we've also brought in Abdelasima, who made significant progress with Slavia Prague in the Czech Republic last season uh, in the Europa League campaign. Um, so we've got two, two big names to come into this team, yeah. And yes, we've not scored many goals. They, they could well light the blue touch paper. So, obviously, you mentioned a minute ago about the um, major transfer overhaul, really, when you, when you think about it in the summer. I, I want to go on to that because, obviously, it's been a while, but it's something that <laughs> Derby are probably still a little bit, <laughs> a little bit suffering from um, it, without going up. But, you know, obviously, any team when they come down and they spend, they don't bounce straight back. There's all, you know, these players are on certain contracts. It's, everybody thinks, oh, you can just shift them out the door. That's not always as, as easy. And Derby fans will, will 100% know that that is definitely not the case. Is mm. that basically just what it's been at Stoke? It's been getting out those eye earners from the Premier League that obviously, quite rightly, you know, didn't want to leave. They, they were happy to pick the checks up. And, and probably actually not putting in 100% on the pitch over the last two years as well. Is it just a case of that's finally now you've been able to clear that out of the club? Yes, pretty much. Um, so this is our fourth season in the Championship since we got relegated. And it's almost like we lined the contracts of those players up like ducks in a row. To, so they all had pretty much one year left on the deal this summer. Um, the trouble we've been having previously is that these players are so unmotivated yet are on such high wages that nobody wants to take them. Or if they do, they've taken them on loan. So we've loaned players out to uh, other championship clubs. We've loaned them out to Turkey, Saudi Arabia, Greece, all these other 
<laughs> random leagues and countries. Um, it's because nobody wants to take them full time. And why would you, you know, pay a small loan fee, if at all, pay a portion of their wages and you can have this, you know, players like Benekophobi, players like Tom Mintz, who are, you know, championship stalwarts, some of them. And then you've got people like Badu and Dai, Peter Tabo, who played in the top levels in Europe. And they just didn't want to play for us because we we basically promised them a return to the Premier League at the first time of asking and didn't didn't reward them. Um, not not they really give us hundred percent anyway, and they definitely didn't deserve to go off. Um, anyway, so because they're in the last year of their deal this year, basically we've said to clubs like, look, you can essentially have these players on a free because this is the last year of their deal. If you loan them out, uh, if, if you loan these players in or essentially if we cancel their contract because the way player amortization works in contracts, et cetera, et cetera, financial fair play, um, we could just say, you can have this player on a free transfer. And we've done that with 14, 15 players. And yes, we will have got minimal transfer fees for them, if at all. I think the only one would have been Nathan Collins for 12 million, which was one of the biggest deals in the summer, to be fair. Um, yeah, we <laughs> We, like I say, I, I reckon we'll have made a £30 million gain a year since letting these players go. And that's just, it opens so many doors. You know, signing players like Ben Wilmot for one and a half million, we, we wouldn't have been able to have done last year. Most clubs have not been able to. You know yourselves, it's difficult enough, um, let alone with embargoes and whatever else have you. Um, and other clubs are in the same situation. The fact that we've spent a little bit of money is quite rare in this league this season. So it's it, the club will have taken a bit of a hit, I'm sure, in letting these players go, paying these players out of their contracts. But I think for the long term, you know, if you think if, if dare I say it, if we do make it to the Premier League this season, the probably five, 10 million pounds we've had to pay these players to get them off the books, if we get a hundred million pound payback, it's so worth it. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. If you can afford, like you say, <laughs> we don't need to talk about Derby and amortisation policies. <laughs> um, we spoke about that far too much over the last yeah. 18 months. It's the, it's the only word I know. I think even my youngest lad knows that word now. He's heard me say it so much. But yeah, I think it, the problem is with 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 your owner, the difference between your owner and our owners is clearly our owners are still willing to put money into this football club. Yours are not. And, and I do feel sorry for you to some extent. You know, the amount of... You'll have talked about this so many times, but the amount of times you've nearly been taken over and such, it must be so frustrating. And just the only perspective I, I, I can give is that clubs like Stoke are very lucky to have owners who, A, care about what happens on the pitch and B, have the money to be able to stump up and help out clubs like us. So yeah, I do feel sorry for you guys. It, 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 it's it's frustrating. <laughs> it is yeah. frustrating. But that that point there that you've just made that that was that you know that was kind of the key of my of my point if you can as a club can afford to take the hit and drop some of these players off then you know the long term gains i mean even if you don't make the premier league this season i'm sure just you know physically like you say getting them off the wage bill that's that's a big save as we've mentioned having players there that that don't want to play that then that, that gives you that breathing space to, to A, have a bit more optimism, as you say, B, bring in some more hungry hungry players, because it did look like, since Stoke come down, um, that they just, obviously, they'd gone stagnant. They, they couldn't, they were just, you know, enough to keep in the division, but they were never, ever going to break through 
break mm-hmm. through the ceiling into the top six. So as as Derby as a Derby fan, I, I know exactly what that's like. Sometimes a whole radical change is needed, um, and you know, 15, 16 players is is a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something that Derby have been screaming out for and are getting. Um, unfortunately, as you say, you've got to kind of have that balance where it's it, the change happens on the pitch, but you're solid off. And mm-hmm. obviously, Derby County are just an absolute shit show off. So it, it doesn't. It, it's not really working at the moment, and it's it's making uh, it's making things on the pitch a, a little bit more difficult. But you know, it's yeah. Um, if you can afford to do it, then I, I think it's well worth it. And as you say, from the start that you've that you've had, I think that that kind of proves that point. And as you say, going into the next four or five, if you go into that next international break, still, you know, still in that top three, four, then you know, you, you that, that's a I mean, what will it be? Nine, 10 games, possibly even a fourth round of the cup. If you can get past Watford, you know, then that, that's a, that's a fantastic start to, to a season. Um, be disappointing, obviously, if it tails off at that point, but I think you start which, to see, which I think it could well do knowing mm. Stoke, but, but then we've got such good squad depth this time, which is something we've never had before. We've got two players in every possession, which I've not known Stoke to have had that probably since I've been a fan of the club. We've always been missing left backs and right backs and a midfielder or two the fact that we made wholesale changes we made an 11 man change to the squad in a cup game recently and i would have had that team playing the championship still <laughs> the fact that we can do that is 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 i'm not gonna say fortunate because clearly we've done the right things but i feel i i feel lucky as a fan that i'm not scared about 2 p.m. on the Saturday anymore. Like I know a lot of fans yeah. at a lot of clubs are. Um, I'm I'm actually interested to see what lineup we're going to have. And I think it's because it it's just a case of morale. Not only were these players on high earners sapping money out of the club, they were unhappy too. Um, o- O'Neill said when he came to the job, he said as an international manager, he'd never seen a squad of unhappy players, and he couldn't understand it because these these players are on the best contracts of their careers and they were a club that was, you know, pushing for the Premier League in the Premier League recently. The facilities are second to none and yet they're unhappy. And unfortunately that happiness bleeds into the younger players, even the players that that, that should be happy and aren't. And getting rid of a player, I think the catalyst probably was getting rid of Kevin Vimmer, who we signed from Spurs for 17 million back in 2017. Um, he played about 15 games for us and he was one of the worst defenders, one of the worst professionals I've ever seen. And since we sacked Mark Hughes and brought in Paul Lambert 15 games into that season, um, he never played for Stoke again, 17 million quid. And getting rid of him finally after four years meant that other players went as well. Players like Moritz Bauer, players like Benekafobi, we're not happy to just sit on these big contracts anymore. They've seen that he's gone and suddenly the, the clique of players falls away. Mm. And I think that that's the case of a lot of clubs. And it's I only say that because it's so interesting what, what we as fans don't see behind the scenes. And yet it's, it makes so much sense when you hear it. So mm. Stoke fans were frustrated for so long, but it makes sense now that you look back at it. Oh, no, absolutely. I mean, just on that point, um, I, I still see various social media posts 
uh, Instagram pictures from from ex-players, you know, that haven't played for the club two, three years, but they all get together for a round of golf on on, yeah. on a Sunday. You know, um, I mean, Bradley Johnson being being a big one, he's not been at the club for a couple of years now, but I know he still comes down to Derby and plays golf, um, mm-hmm. you know, with some of the others. And it's like, y- you're right, you don't see uh, everything that, that's going off, um, that's going off on the pitch. Um, and yeah, it's like you say, when it does come to light, it, you kind of go, oh, okay, fair enough. I understand it, but it, it um, yeah, it's it's a it's a good one. But certainly, from what it sounds like, and you've kind of gone into my next point there, just mentioning your manager, and I've got to make sure that I don't say Martin O'Neill. That's the joke <laughs> We're all done that. <laughs> um, you kind of took the the point out of my mouth there. You know, he, he came in from a relatively decent job with um, with Northern Ireland, coming out of international management for for so long. Um, and I suppose from somebody who doesn't know about Stoke, you know, looking at it from the from the outside in, obviously with everything that, that we've already talked about so far as well, being being a being a, uh, a catalyst for this, it was a no. Oh, is is Championship football, you know, one step too too far for him as a manager? Um, this season, obviously, not not quite the case. Um, in terms of obviously uh, how he's been over the last couple of a couple of seasons with all the big changes, has that made a, a big help for him because he's then been able to obviously stamp his authority on players that are clearly now wanting to come in and play for him rather than the ones that obviously weren't by clearly weren't interested in putting the effort in for him. I've I've got to be fair to him. He has surpassed my expectations with or without an overhaul. Um so if you consider where we were two seasons ago under Nathan Jones, we were 14 games in with eight points, I think. And we were rock bottom, absolutely rock bottom. We sacked him and we were looking at Michael. We were looking at plenty of managers, Alex Neal, for example, from Preston. Um, and then we brought Michael O'Neill in. And I thought he has done a good job in Northern Ireland, but he's an international manager. And I'm not, I wasn't doubting his quality. I'm just saying it's a different kettle of fish. And I wonder whether he's the right man to know how to understand a club dynamic, particularly a a dynamic with these big egotistical players. Let's be real. I wonder how he's going to handle that. Um, And the way he handled that was he didn't. He just dropped them and sent them out out, out of the squad. No matter what, what name they are, Tom Ince now wears the number 30 odd. Um, that's not saying that his attitude is poor. It's just, you know, his his confidence is so low and it, he's just not done well for us. So he's happy to not play him. But players like Badder and Dai, who was playing under Nathan Jones, we signed him for 13 million back in the Premier League. Michael O'Neill was like, do you want a beer? And Dai said no. So he dropped him. And yet he was probably the best midfielder in the championship. Nobody knows because nobody's ever seen him play. Um, so <laughs> O'Neill surpassed my expectation because it it turns out he does know how to run a football club and he kept us up honestly miraculously we had such a bad start to that championship season to keep us up and to and to actually finish us higher than we did the previous season was a miracle but that's with no help I think he made two signings on free transfers um one being Jordan Thompson from Blackpool and the other Tash and Oakley Booth from Spurs um and that 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 was it Maybe James Chester as well, actually, at centre-back, um, who, was a, who was a real help. Um, and then last season we'll, would have gone really well had it not been for the 
injuries and Tyrese Campbell. I think a lot of clubs suffered like that, but Campbell was a one of a kind and we had nothing else like him. We had players like Sam Vokes, Lee Gregory up front, who you know about Lee Gregory. Um, you know, hard worker, not bad at hold-up play, terrible finisher from <laughs> my point of view. And yeah, it, we had nobody scoring goals. I think if we'd have had a goal scorer, we'd have had a good season last season too. Now you mention it with an overhaul and bringing in players that he, not necessarily even he wants. We brought in Alex Aldridge uh, from Millwall as our head of recruitment, basically. And he's been an absolute stalwart since he joined 12 months ago. Honestly, the last two transfer windows have been so different. They, they've been more like a Brentford and less like a Stoke yeah. than I've ever seen us. Um, and because of that, O'Neill's basically gone, yes, I'll have this player. Yes, yes, yes. Doesn't necessarily know who he is, but he he trusts the recruitment here. And the the biggest compliment I can give O'Neill is that he makes the best with what he has. And he had to do as an international manager, of course, in Northern Ireland, who don't have a big squad of, you know, a big pool of players to make a squad with. Um, he did that with Stoke too, both with, let's face it, bad players, unmotivated players. He's still got the best out of some of those. And now he's getting the best out of players that, yes, he doesn't necessarily know who they are or would have been his first choice. But players like Ben Wilmot, great championship defender from last season. Leo Ostergaard, Coventry fans, loved him. Sam Surridge, Bournemouth fans, had to see him go. He's got the best out of those players and has built a team around Joe Allen too, who we've not got the best out of <laughs> for five odd years. So... I can't praise him enough. He's not without his flaws. Sometimes his in-game management isn't the best, but I think that that'll come having, as I said before, not not having the most amount of club league experience. Yeah, for, for me, that that's massive. And like you said, you know, when you're an international manager, it doesn't really matter what national team that, that you're managing. You've, you've got a group of players that, you know, I've never really spoke to a player that didn't want to get called up by the country. Exactly yeah. right. You you've never got yeah. that problem of being unmotivated. Yeah, and so that tra that transition straight away to like you say a, a squad of players that were so unmotivated or so unhappy at being there that that must have been you know really really difficult for him. And then like you say for for him to actually have achieved what he's achieved, and then now as you say with the squad overhaul, you would expect that you know the players that are currently at Stoke want to be at Stoke, certainly for the time being anyway, it does start to feel a little bit more like a, a national setup that, you know, the lads are there. Okay. The quality, who knows what that is, but you know, the, the togetherness and the confidence and all that kind of stuff you'd expect to be there. And it, it will be interesting from, from an outsider looking in just to see, like you say, is that switching from, Lee from from international management to day to day football because that that's what it is of course. Um, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see how he how he continues with that. And you know, fingers crossed. Certainly for you, I'm sure um, you'd be you'd be happy with that if if that's the case. Um, before we uh, wrap this chat up, obviously we're going to we're going to focus attentions on on the game. On Saturday, yeah, I'm not here just for a chat. We've got an actual game, haven't we? We have exactly. <laughs> um, obviously, looking back at the two fixtures from last season, it was a nil-nil at Pride Park and a one-nil victory um, for Stoke at the Bet Three Six Five. If it's still called that, who knows? Um, I remember watching. But I, I was there, certainly there for the home game. I remember watching the away one. Um, <laughs> wasn't great for Derby, but um, coming into this. Uh, We've got a midweek game against West Brom, which uh, confidence was a little bit knocked on Friday night against Birmingham. 
Um, whilst it wasn't the worst performance in the world, uh, it still wasn't fantastic. Um, obviously, looking to go to West Brom on Tuesday night to the Hawthorns and, and not take a bit of a hiding. Um, I think it's. I think we have to be honest about that as Derby fans. And then take the league position out of it for a second. Coming into a home game, I think most clubs would expect to pick up results at home. That, that's. I think that's just what you think. So, so Stoke coming to Derby um, uh, from a Derby's perspective is it's an opportunity after two tough away trips. It's an opportunity to get the ball rolling again and uh, and get some points some points on the board, which. Then obviously you take the the start that you've had. Um, that that knocks that knocks expectations down down a little bit more. Um, but from a from the from the actual match itself, so Stoke City come to Pride Park looking at a back line of about two hundred years old at Derby. Um, where's where's the strengths at Stoke at the moment? Obviously we, we've we've touched on it in in patches so far in the chat. But where's what what's Stoke's game plan? What what's what can Derby fans expect to see Stoke play like? Okay, so. Um, honestly, it depends. And that is sort of this O'Neill international management style of football that he's brought to his football club. Um, I can tell you things that are consistent for sure. We will press you. No doubt about that. Um, we will defend reasonably well. Maybe a couple of individual errors in there. But as a unit, our back three of Ostergaard, uh, Suter and Wilmot, I genuinely believe is one of the best back threes in the league. Take that or leave it. Um our, our wing-backs have been phenomenal. Tommy Smith and Josh Tymon are probably not names that many would associate with being good players with at the start of the season, Stoke fan or not. But I, I, I think a couple of weeks ago, before the international break, they were in the championship team of the season so far. And the, that's phenomenal. And they have been phenomenal. You know, we're working hard, pacey, getting balls into the box. I think Stoke have made the most amount of crosses in the league so far this season. That's what you can expect from a attacking point of view, balls into the box. Um, your centre-backs being experienced may well be able to deal with those. But again, our, maybe not, our, our, our midfield is the enigma, really. We've got so many different players. Joe Allen, Sam Klukas, Mario Vrancic, Jordan Thompson, Nick Powell, uh, Romain Sawyers, to name a few. They're all different players. And because of that, we will play to how O'Neill thinks you'll set up. And if he thinks you're going to sit back, we'll play with players that will attack you. If if he thinks you're going to come on to us, we'll play with Alan as a sitter and, and two possibly more incisive midfielders. So it, it depends. It really does. Like I say, I don't think we'll see Tyrese Campbell come back. You may see Abdel Asima up front who himself is a bit of an unknown quantity for us, so I can't give you any insight on him. Um, Jacob Brown will run you into the ground. No doubt your centre-backs are, are going to be in tears by the end of the game, win, <laughs> win draw, or lose. Um, Sam Surridge, again, not, not a bad little player. We'll get back to a confidence. Stephen Fletcher will give your centre-backs a game as well, but from a different perspective of just, just being a nuisance, I think. Um, I don't know. I see this as a Stoke fan. And I'm confident because I think this is the best time we could have played you. You've had a great start to the season from an outside point of view, I think, um, regardless of the results on Friday. Um, but you've got a game against West Brom in midweek. Now, I think everybody knows that Derby's biggest downfall this season is going to be squad rotation. Mm. So 
how you line up against West Brom? Do you sort of throw that game away or do you try and get the confidence back by playing your your best team? And then you'll do the opposite against us, surely, unless you continue with the same players that are going to be tired. It Either way, it's an opportunity for us, I think. Um, either inconsistent starting 11s or tired players. And I think that's two things that we can take advantage of. So I'm actually confident heading into an away game for, for once in my life. Um, we'll see, though, because it's a championship, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, you're quite right that the, the squad rotation is... is... It's, it's practically non-existent because we, we've only got 14 senior players. Uh, one of those is banned. Um, one of them's out injured. Um, so, yeah, basically we can re- we can rotate our left back and that's about as far as it goes. So it, it is going to be, unfortunately, it will be a very, very, very similar 11 um, throughout, certainly between now and January at least. Uh, so, yeah, the tiredness obviously does, does kick in and we, we started to see it a little bit just before the international break in that forest fixture, the second half, you could see there was one or two of our more impact players, more of our attacking threat. They they were knackered. They were absolutely knackered. And then to be fair, two of them have gone and played three games on the international break. Yeah. So it's like, right, okay. Um, and they were shadows of themselves on Friday night. So that's that's not great. I mean, obviously the extra day might, I don't know. Uh, I'm not the fittest person in the world anyway, so I don't really know how much difference that makes, but um, it is very much a core. It will be a core that, that plays the the majority of the games. Um, but from the, yeah, I, I, I laughed at two points there. Uh, crosses, Derby can't defend crosses. Derby have not been able to defend crosses for four years. Okay. Um, <laughs> so I think nearly most goals have come from crosses that we've conceded this season, near enough. Uh, it's, you would think with all that experience, crosses shouldn't be an issue. You would, wouldn't you? But they do seem to be. They are better <laughs> at it. I will say they are better at it than they were. Uh, and Jaggy Elka, you know, the steady age of 39, has, has brought a little bit of uh, a little bit more steel to the back line. But it's it's still a worry. It is still a worry. Um, and to be fair, our left back, who is banned for three games, Forsyth, um, he's probably one of our best headers. Um, of a ball and not only that he's as a wing back at 32 he's he is very much or was uh, very much the the focal point to the start of the attack the amount of if you watch Derby when he was in the side the amount of balls mm. from the goalkeeper that punted up to him and he wins 99 times out of 100 the header and it, it's a it's a flick on well we haven't got that at the minute we've got our other left back in Lee Buchanan who, who again is, is a good header of a ball uh, and he can hold, he can try and play the same way. He's certainly a lot quicker. Um, but Friday night didn't work out for him. It was his fault for the first goal as well with a dire back pass. Um, so he's confident, but he's coming off the back of a, a, a few months out off an injury. So he's kind of been thrushed into it a little bit. Um, they were starting to give him the last 10, 15 minutes of games. But of course, when you haven't got another left back, you've, you've got your first, not first choice, but you've got the one who's been starting banned. There's not a great deal you can do there. Um, I think one of the things that, you know, from, from a Derby's perspective that we, us fans have always said is like Derby's physicality and and, and mental strength in games and, and just that dirty side of the game has always been, has always been a little bit weak. And now we, we've not got six and a half foot, four foot wide midfielders to boss to boss midfields and things like that. And when we came up against Middlesbrough at Pride Park earlier on this season, you know, a Warnock team known for that side of the game, Derby, Derby combated it quite well. 
And so we uh, there was a bit more confidence going into the uh, Birmingham game on Friday night that, you know, again, a Lee Bowyer side is kind of the way that they're going to play. I know they can play some football as well, but when you've got big Duke up front, you know, you know you're in for a bit of a battery. And actually that side of the game, Derby coped with quite well, um, surprisingly. Um, there was defensive mistakes that, that cost us the game and just our inability to be able to put a ball in the back of the net is is incredible. Um, I don't know what they do. That I really don't. They get to the edge of the 18-yard box and they all just freeze. Um, but so fr from that perspective, Derby will certainly play a 4-2-3-1. <laughs> I, I can probably reel you the 11 off now, two games, mm. you know, seven days before we play it. Um, we will play with wing backs. We will play with two sitting midfielders. Um, you'll, it's practically three sitting midfielders, really. Ravel Morrison just is given a free range. He, you can see him on the edge of the 16, 18 yard box picking up a picking up a ball off a centre back, or you can see him on you know the the opponent's D and in building an attack. So he'll he'll float around. If he he got bullied at the game on on Friday night, uh, they did an uh, is it Woods for Birmingham did an absolute mm. job on him, um, and he got really frustrated and started kicking out. And you could just <laughs> you could just tell he wasn't he he, he is. I wouldn't say he's the linchpin of the side, but a lot goes through him and he brings yes. the others yeah. into play. Um, because I think some of our other younger players just don't have that confidence to, to grasp a game uh, mm. by the scruff of the neck. Um, so, But we'll certainly play with two holders. We'll certainly play with wing-backs. And wing-backs that are constantly, when we're on the attack or when we've got the ball, are constantly over the halfway line, which... You know, it, it's nice when it comes off, but we saw it so many times and it didn't get punished on Friday night that the the recycling of the ball, Derby didn't hold the ball up well enough um, and the balls were just going over the top. And you then, you know, you've got then a, a team charging at you with Curtis Davis and Phil Jagielka as your centre-halves. There's, yeah. no, there's no pace there. So it's, that's, if you know, if Stoke can utilise that, certainly we, we will try and control possession. There's no doubt about that. Um but we do, we have, certainly against Birmingham, I, I've seen that the most in a game so far. The the recovery time to get back into position wasn't wasn't great at all. We got caught wow. out far too many times. And if it wasn't for the fact that most of the time those chances fell to Scott Ogan, who couldn't hit a barn door, um, then, you know, Derby would have lost by, by a few more, by a few more, it has to be said. So, um, obviously, you know, I, I look at it and think that, Derby are at home, the crowd will get behind them a little bit more. Um, but it, it's it's putting the ball in the back of the net. I mean, Derby, have, I think Birmingham was the first game we failed to score this season, I think. Mm. But still, it's not you know, you don't feel com you don't feel that confident that they're gonna that they're gonna score. They're not clear, clear cut chances. They they're a couple of scuffs in the box, and that it's it's been a little bit like that. So that obviously needs to um that needs to improve. But for the last couple of games, we've not had a number nine. So mm. we've been playing with a false nine, which because we just don't have any strikers. So we, <laughs> we've got Sam Baldock come back, who's obviously uh, back into the game now, um, who, who had picked up a little injury. He was, he was starved of service on, on Friday night, but he does bring, he, he does give you that little bit more of a dimension and a little bit more of a connection. Um up front, so I mean, and, and there was some good play Friday night from Derby. There's some good intricate, intricate passing. But what I will say is Birmingham's backline stood up to that task, 
Uh, and that that fight, which you know, it is a solid back line. And like you say, I would I would agree with the names that you've just reeled off. There they are. That is a solid a solid back line. And you know, when Derby do only play with typically one up front, um, it's obviously with three centre offs. That's going to be yeah. Derby's attack could get snuffed could get snuffed out quite quickly if they don't manage the game properly. And of course, the problem when you've only got 13, 14 fit first teamers is that when things aren't going your way you can't change it because we will we will bring 17 18 year olds on and who really 18 months ago were playing academy football and mm -hmm. under 18s not under 21 so yeah it's 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 going to be a big ask i think from a derby's perspective uh tuesday night certainly it's I think it is going to be a case of how many they can keep it down to. I, I don't mean yeah. that as in a negative way, but I, I do think that's going to be the case. So I think a lot on, you know, the way that Derby go into that game on Saturday is going to depend on, on confidence um, of, of the, the result on Tuesday night. But it, it does, it's, I think both teams sound like they're going to set up similar, similar, but I think clearly as most teams will have, against Derby this season, they have got the opportunity to, to change it and make a, an impression if something's not working, where Derby are very, unfortunately, Derby are very one-dimensional because they just don't, they don't have the other, the other players to, to come in. So that's going to be a bit of a shame, but we'll, 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 we'll see. Um, so Ben, it's been an absolute pleasure, mate. Before, before we leave, um, always have to do a score prediction. So mm. score prediction for Saturday, please. Oh, I'm 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 gonna cheat and do two because it because de <laughs> it depends. That's if right. you score first, it's gonna be one 0 Derby because I I'm still not convinced that we can break teams down having gone down. If that makes sense. So I I think if you score first and you score particularly early on, I wonder whether we'll be able to break you down. If if we score first. I think it could be 3-0 Stoke. I, I think you'll be run ragged by West Brom in midweek and we will press that back for so hard that they are going to be tired. Those poor wing-backs of yours are going to be so tired. The centre-backs the same. And I think if we manage to score first, that's what will tell. But we'll wait and see, I suppose. Yeah, I think, you know, I think Derby in, in every... Other than Birmingham, I think in every game so far this season, we have won, I think, taken the lead. And, mm. thrown it, and th we've been in a winning position and we've thrown it mm. away because we don't have the ability at that 60, 70 minute mark, you know, when the opposition make the changes, we can't combat it. Mm. And so many times we've been in front certainly, and we've we've thrown either picked up a point or, or actually lost the game. So it wouldn't surprise me if we scored first. <clears throat> but then actually Derby being able to see that out is, is something that we haven't been able to do so far this season. Mm -hmm. So you have to put that down to the fact that they, they, they are unable to, you know, so, um, but I would agree with you. I think if Stoke do score first, I think then that's just, it's just going to be difficult for Derby. I think it mm -hmm. will, uh, because we're not the, the sharpest attack anyway. Um, and we saw against Friday night, even though, you know, Derby started brightly as soon as Birmingham took the lead, it just, you could just never feel anything coming. Um, and Derby are wasteful with chances as well. It's not as if, you know, you think, oh, well, we've, we've got a chance. There's always a chance of scoring because Derby just don't seem that potent up front. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, I've been told off by some of the fans of the podcast for, for being so negative in, <laughs> in what's been a, a testing start to the season and, you know, the players are trying. And, and, and the players are trying. The players are giving their all. I'm not saying that, but I have to be realistic in the fact that a team in form who, who Stoke are, a, a team with the quality that Stoke have got and the ability to, to bring quality in off the bench, should be no match. Derby shouldn't be a match for them. In in all fairness, that's that's just you know that's not being um, pessimistic. That's just being realistic. Being realistic. Yeah, and absolutely. Yet, <laughs> yeah. So I do think a lot injures on on Tuesday night. Yeah. Just how many that that will be, you know, because you, you can't even you can't even bring three or four out and refresh it to, to refresh the mindset. You you, you, mm-hmm. you just if we did, we'd be worse off strength-wise in, in the team than we already are. And that's no disrespect to the lads on the bench, but um, it will be interesting to see. I think one point that you did make there, Ben, I would be interested to see if Derby look at it, which Wayne did a couple of times last season towards the back end and when, yeah, we ain't got a cat selling chance of getting anything out of this game, put out, a, a, I don't want to say a weaker team, but a, a, it is a weaker team. A and save, team for sure. Yeah, and save one or two for you know that home game where you expect to pick the points up. Mm-hmm. It would be interesting to see if he does that. As I say, he did do it last season. Um, th- there is a possibility. That one now. Yeah, <laughs> on, yeah that, <laughs> well, that's it. I, I am thinking that. I am thinking that. But Derby's inability to keep a clean sheet, as they've only done once this season, uh, you know, j- just goes to show you that I'm not that confident. And if you do press us, Birmingham pressed us, and that cost caused mistakes, and they should have scored at least mm-hmm. two more. So if that's the way that you're going to play, which it just sound like it, I'm not confident at all in that Derby can keep you out. So on that basis, I am going to have to go uh, with a draw. Uh, mm-hmm. I will go. I will go one-one, uh, but with a caveat, like you say, I, I could see Stoke winning it. To be honest with you, I'm just trying to be a little bit optimistic. From I've got to be optimistic. Uh, mm-hmm. and and say that you know hope hope that derby take a point but i i don't know it could surprise me um but in in, in all fairness most games derby have put a shift in they've put an effort in i think birmingham friday night was the first time that they can't i won't say they got outplayed but they didn't look like being in they weren't in the game and that's the first mm-hmm. time so far this season so maybe i'm doing them a little bit of disservice um, we're a good team birmingham you know we yeah we, we couldn't score against them. So yeah, this is it. This is it. They are they are a decent outfit. They are, especially with Troy Deeney. I'm glad he was on the bench. Yeah. Uh, Don't so. get discouraged. I mean, I know it's early on, but this is the time where you need to pick up points. So well, absolutely, yeah, absolutely, you've got a chance. Yeah. Well, that's it. I'm going one-one. But that'll be that'll be uh, that's it for this episode. Uh, ben, absolute pleasure to have you on, mate. Thank you very much for joining me. No, thank you very much for having me. Enjoyed it. Not a problem at all. And um, we will be back in a week's time to talk about the game against West Brom, Stoke, and look forward to a trip to Bramall Lane. (laughs) Fantastic. Um, Thanks for listening, guys. And as always, up the Rams. Thank you for listening to the latest episode of the Rams Review Podcast. We would love it if you'd like to get in touch. On Twitter, we 
at Rams Review 1. On Facebook, it's Rams Review Podcast. Or you could drop us an email, ramsreview at hotmail.com. Until next time, up the Rams. The Rams Review Podcast are proud to be part of the Fan Hub 100, putting fans first. <laughs>